I believe solidarity and coming together as a community can really make a huge difference in protecting the planet. Hello and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Silverwood. And our guest on the podcast today is the very inspiring Solly Raphael, who at just 17 years old is definitely the youngest guest we've had on the podcast today. And that really was the rationale for reaching out to Solly. We've had all these incredible episodes with people with incredible voices from around the planet, but we haven't yet spoken to someone who fits into this younger age demographic. So here we have it. At 12 years old, Solly was the youngest ever champion in the Australian National Slam Poetry Competition. He's the author of two books. He's even founded his own non-profit organization called Earth Enablers. This young man is the kind of guy who just lights me up. I look back at myself and what I was thinking and doing at a young age, and I just get really excited. So hopefully you enjoy his words. He even performs a few poems throughout the podcast. And I hope you realize that we really do need to spend a fair bit more time listening and understanding the feelings of our young people. It is the future that they will inherit is the one that we have sort of made in a bit of a predicament. So here you have it, the first in the Ocean Impact podcast series of a conversation with a young leader. Hope you enjoy. I'm really honoured and privileged to have on the Ocean Impact podcast today, Solly Raphael, who is a very inspirational young human who, when I was thinking about the podcast series and that we really haven't had a voice of a young person on yet, Solly, you were top of the list, um, an incredible poet, author, you've spoken at the Commonwealth Games, you've had TEDx talks. And you've just got so much incredible wisdom to share. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, thanks for having me, Tim. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so much comes up in your poetry and communications around the planet, nature, sustainability. So can you maybe take us a little bit back in time and why that has become such an integral part of your voice? Absolutely. So... It all began when I was about six years of age. I was at school and I started learning for the first time about some of the environmental problems. I learned about uh, plastic in our oceans and deforestation. And, you know, most kids would kind of take it in and get back to doing other things. But I was really moved and quite emotional about, about I guess, just the realisation that, you know, the planet's not all perfect. And so I went and did my own research, you know, being a very young age, I it was limited to the research I could do, but I tried to learn as much as I could about, about various environmental problems. And I just, I felt sad and maybe a little bit angry, but more so motivated to try and be a part of the solution and a part of the change. So I used writing as a creative outlet. I've always loved writing so I really just turned to pen and paper a few you know journals led to a few short stories led to books and by the time I was nine I started writing poetry and then yeah really just formed into a passion for writing 
at 12, I won the Poetry Slam. And so since then, it's been nearly five years and I've really just used that writing platform to to speak about the environmental problems and, and problems that I find as a young person are important to me. Yeah, and I'd love to dive a little bit further into that later on, into why this particular medium is so effective for you in you know, relaying your own concerns, but obviously inspiring the masses. But you did mention just then about slam poetry and that at the age of 12, you were the youngest ever winner of the Australian Sam, uh, slam poetry um, competition. So I'd love to just learn a little bit more about slam poetry and maybe this could be a segue to you actually giving our listeners a glimpse at what slam poetry is by performing one of your pieces. Absolutely. So... I was 12 and I got into a lot of rap and hip hop just as a fun, you know, genre of music to listen to. And I was on YouTube and whilst listening to, you know, a bit of hip hop, I saw a slam poetry video pop up. I'd never heard of slam poetry before. I had been writing traditional poetry, but had never heard of slam poetry. So uh, I clicked on it. I started watching it and I was really captivated by how engaging this slam poet was and so I watched a few more and then a few more and I noticed uh, a pattern between all the different slam poetry videos and that was they were all about really serious topics you know these were slam poets really you know expressing themselves creatively and using this platform as an outlet and so it just you know I suddenly realized I had never before realised that my passion for writing and my passion for protecting the environment could actually become one. So I started writing slam poetry about, uh, you know, things that matter to me. And that's that's basically where it all began. A few months later, I entered the poetry slam and then I've been writing slam poetry ever since. And I'll share a slam poem from my newest book, Spotlight. This is called Stand for Better. And it's it's basically about how... I believe solidarity and coming together as a community can really make a huge difference in protecting the planet. Here we are, Planet Earth 2021. The rivers ran clean, the rivers ran deep, muddy, black and red, the rivers run, soon the rivers shall run empty. To those that didn't make it, what can I say? To those that are still to come, I feel your fear and pain. It feels like only yesterday they predicted change for today, yet to this day, underneath the ripples in the water, this world is still the same. Same goes round every once in a while, cooling off under the extreme heat of the sun, burning in the ocean of tomorrow. Drowning in this political world, but this world is a mind game. So let's take our tools. Let's take our ammunition. And this is a mind game. So I mean hope and ambition. I mean words, voices, ideas, visions. I mean every single personal 7.7 billion. Stand for better. It's now or it's never, because right now the future ain't forever and to rebuild our future, our impacts must be lesser and to make our impact lesser, we need to work together, so stand for better. 
it's now or it's never because right now the future ain't forever and to rebuild our future our impacts must be lesser and to make our impacts lesser we need to work together to stand for better so you're going to keep fracking till this country's wrecked i think you're lacking a little respect here tears run down the side of my brain every time my heart starts drifting which happens every time I feel the waste statistics shifting. Because they're shifting quicker than tectonic plates, causing earthquakes across the faces of changes. Yes, I did just say changes. All the people who denied, instead of compromising and memorized excuses at the speed I write rhymes, surprise, the world needs your help. That's why I'm here blowing words through your ears, pleading you to stand. The world has gone too far. Stand. Perhaps we should consider the fact that the environment does not have a voice and therefore can't warn us to expect the worst. Stand. Like we're on a lever and every time the issue of climate change becomes more and more pressing, making the weight of the world heavier, we rise up and up like the moon is magnetically pulling us towards infinity. So sing it with me. Stand for better. It's now or it's never, because right now the future ain't forever, and to rebuild our future, our impact must be lesser, and to make our impact lesser, we need to work together to stand for better. It's now or it's never, because right now the future ain't forever, and to rebuild our future, our impact must be lesser, and to make our impact lesser, we need to work together to stand for better. Mm, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, if you're tuning into the video feed, you're going to see a big glaring smile across my face as I listen to your uh, your profound words. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. So I really wanted to leverage, I suppose, off that to just dive a little bit deeper into this big burning question that I had when planning for this podcast episode. You know, what does it feel like to be a young person in 2021? You shared prior that you've been deeply engaged in environmental issues for over a decade since you were six years old but how are you feeling about the state of the planet in 2021 and particularly this last you know bizarre 18 months of the human story mm. look i think it's a great question and you know to speak on behalf of all young people i think it's 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 quite challenging and confronting to see so many I mean, just environmental issues as one factor of, you know, such a complex planet. And so whilst I feel like it can be overwhelming at times to, to discuss these kind of pressing issues, I always like to look at it in a, in a positive light because I feel there is so much we can do. There's always going to be hope and new opportunities to, to make a difference. So I like to stay positive and stay optimistic that we still can turn things around, both in climate change and other environmental problems, and really make a difference. I feel like, you know, as much as, you know, there's so many devastations happening each day, focusing on the solutions is really going to be able to make the biggest difference in the shortest amount of time. And particularly when you think about, you know, your audience and the people, I guess you're speaking to hopefully all ages and all demographics, but I'm guessing that a key audience for you is young people. And so giving that sense of uh, optimism and hope and positivity 
must be really important. Do you get a sense that it, that's what young people need to hear and want to hear? I definitely think so. You know, my personal perspective here on this topic, I honestly feel that, you know, the past decade or so, the media have really focused on on the negatives, the actual environmental problems. But I feel like, you know, there's so much more to that. I feel like there's so much hope out there. There's so many people coming up with with new ideas, new visions, new strategies to to make a bigger difference. And so I know so many people, you know, when I visit schools and, you know, run workshops, for example, there's just so many kids who feel overwhelmed, who feel like the world's ending, that there's no hope. And I feel like that's just the wrong angle to look at it. You know, there's there's so much hope. There's so much we can do. And so looking at, you know, when I when I talk to young people, I look at the small things they can do in their own personal lives to to contribute to to society and to the progression of working towards a future sustainable planet. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the work that I did obviously with Take Three for the Sea over so many years, which was again really focused on going and speaking to young people. That was the core, the backbone of what we did as an organization and me as an environmentalist and it was always that delicate line of wanting to grab the attention of your audience and of people because you have a message to share but really making sure that the over the outstanding sentiment was of positivity and optimism here's a problem yes it's bad but there's something immediately you can do that is a solution. In this case, it was take three for the sea. It was look at your own relationship with, with plastics and single-use items and the waste that you generate and be an advocate for a better way to do things. Um, so what are some of those examples perhaps where you can go in and talk about an issue that might on one hand appear doom and gloom and quite dark, but to then be able to bring in those solutions or bring in that sense of, positivity do you have some other um, examples that come to mind oh, I have heaps uh, yeah one of the the main I guess the main act you know calls of actions I speak about you know with young people is is you know in in their own homes looking at all the different items that are either you know made of, of toxic chemicals or that are single use or you know, items that could, you know, potentially harm animals or the environment. And even in my own personal life, my my mission is to become 100% sustainable, hopefully somewhere down the track. And every day I go through, you know, my kitchen, my bathroom, my bedroom and look at all the different items and see, you know, maybe, you know, one thing I can replace with a, a reusable and sustainable option. And so, you know, I think it's, it can feel like a small action, but, you know, really summarising, you know, what items you use, what you buy at the shops and trying to find a reusable option, maybe one reusable option a week, I find over a longer period of time, you know, suddenly you're making a bigger difference. And I think that's that's where the the motive is for me at the moment. And I work with a lot of cancels and, and bigger, you know, corporations and on one hand, I, I believe, you know, it's really the higher organisations that have to be the leading ones who make these changes. But at the same time, you know, where we as the consumers are the ones buying these single-use products. We're still supporting 
these uh, negative impacting strategies and, and production systems. So I feel like, you know, if I, I can really look at finding locally made items and produce and reusable products that, that I'm able to hopefully try and change that cycle. That's right. And I think, you know, the very important uh, role that people like yourself perform and, and back to my role with Take Three for the Sea, it's, um, it's being that initial inspiration and education because I think so many of the people we're speaking to, their intentions are good overwhelmingly. It's just that they need a little bit of an impetus. They need that little spark. And so by going out there and speaking to councils or corporations or the public and creating this revised call to action, hey, just remember, you are a consumer and a slight change in your perspective can have a massive impact, not just on you and what's in your home or your office, your business, your workplace, but those people that look around you. So I really acknowledge what you're saying there around how you can be that spark of inspiration to encourage people to do better. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit more about um, creativity and what you see around the world of the role of the arts, writing, poetry, and all these other different mediums in creating a much bigger movement to understand the fragility of our beautiful planet, but also encourage the populace to engage in treating it more sustainably. Mm, absolutely. So at the beginning, when I first started writing at a young age, it was purely for the purpose of, of enjoyment, of being able to express myself and, uh, again, using it as an outlet um, for the things that matter to me. But, you know, now I... I see it as a much bigger platform, you know. I feel like, you know, having conversations, sharing different ideas and bouncing off each other is really a great way to inspire each other and help the ones, you know, around us in our local communities to make a difference. And with creative writing, I see that, you know, the words I use can inspire someone else, you know, other strangers to, to take action and I see that now as so powerful that, you know, me just, you know, expressing myself and writing, you know, words in a certain way can do that. So I, you know, I look at creative writing and poetry in particular as such a powerful tool for, for really creating change. And that's, that's something that really drives me every day to continue writing, you know, writing books, writing poetry and raising awareness for different topics and hopefully inspiring more and more people. It was interesting when we were kind of having a chat before we started recording that um, I obviously knew you were a very accomplished young person at 16 years of age, but you actually started university last year, um, being one of the youngest ever university students in the country, I believe. Um, tell us a little bit about um, this foray into your tertiary studies and what you'd like to ultimately achieve through your, you know, academic focus? Absolutely. So first of all, I've always loved learning. So when, you know, when I was, you know, looking at the options, you know, university and looking for, you know, a higher education was definitely um, of interest to me. 
but you know I feel like that's that's one of the main things I focus on you know I'm studying various different sciences I studied psychology a little bit last year too I mean for me I feel you know as someone you know with a voice in the media and who has these platforms I want to learn as much as I can I want to come into each day more experienced and more knowledgeable to to be able to help others so you know uh going to university and um I guess throughout my life continually learning new things will will help me help others and help myself to to contribute to a, a better planet really impressive i know that i was certainly at your age fired up and driven to to learn and to build my knowledge and probably already had my sights set on university but um i certainly don't think i was mature nor um nor prepared enough to actually go off to uni at the age of, of 16 so really impressed by that another thing that is really impressive is that this year in 2021 you've chosen to establish your own charitable charitable project uh, earth enablers now i was a 29 when I first started Take Three for the Sea. So again, and reflecting on just how young you are and the the enormous uh, task you've given yourself in establishing an organisation, um, kudos to you. But maybe tell us a little bit about Earth Enablers and what the journey has been like in establishing your own non-profit organisation. Absolutely. So basically, I've been working with different charities and organisations over the years and and last year, when when the events kind of dried up, I had a lot of time to reflect on on my environmental journey, and I realised that that for a lot of young people, you know, financially donating to charities isn't always an accessible or an easy option, and I feel like that's that's one of you know the the only ways I could see as being able to help causes that you're passionate about because you know one of the questions I get a lot from young people is you know how do I you know I'm passionate I want to contribute how can I make a difference and and so I was looking for 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 new ways young people and people of of all ages can make a difference and I honestly you know apart from you know the occasional strike or protest or you know community event I just couldn't find many ways you know, people of all ages and all life circumstances could could help uh, contribute to to the uh, causes they're passionate about. So, I founded Earth Enablers because I wanted to to bridge that connection. I know there's so many so many important causes that don't get enough support, but then there's those people who want to support causes but don't know how or when or you know quite how to. So. I really set out to to build that connection between the causes and and the general public, and so I launched Earth Enablers in uh, April on Earth Day, and you know, I've been you know so surprised by the response. You know, it's been it's been absolutely wonderful, and and so moving forward, you know, at Earth Enablers, you know, we're really focused on providing providing different ways people can contribute. You know, we're working on ways people can contribute their time, or whether that's voluntary actions, community projects. And we're working on school projects with schools and different um, educational facilities. And so for me, I've really felt that I'm able to make more of a difference by 
making connections to people who otherwise wouldn't know how to make make a change. Yeah, and I can obviously speak from firsthand experience there around just how powerful it is to have people in a position to help you with your environmental mission. Um, obviously, money is um, is a really valuable and important one, but time and expertise is absolutely extraordinary. So. I suppose the call to action there then, Solly, is to encourage anyone listening um, who is interested to find out more. And if you've got maybe young people as well that you would like to connect up with Earth Enablers, it's pretty simple to go to the website. And, and what's the process once you get to the website? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is earthenablers.org. Uh, there's heaps of resources on the website. There's uh, a sign up up the top of the website. And basically, um, through signing up, we'll be launching various free workshops over the coming 18 months. We'll be launching different um, free and available resources and projects and really growing those platforms to, to give, you know, more people opportunities, um, both online and in person. So please head to the website if you're interested and, and there's a range of different, um, different projects we're releasing very soon. You mentioned before, obviously, the changes that you've had to go through from doing, no doubt, a huge number of live performances and activities pre uh, the pandemic. And now here we are um, again, and, and things are always constantly changing. Tell us a little bit about what, um, how you've adapted throughout the pandemic and what I suppose you hope to be able to re-engage with on the other side of it. Mm. Well, for me, it's probably been quite easy um i guess <laughs> events were either cancelled or put online so i've been able to adapt by bringing a lot of workshops um, connecting with still schools and and different uh various projects online which which has been good obviously it's not i guess not quite as powerful being face not face to face or um not having as many opportunities to reach people but i've still tried to make the most of it and and yeah, I think it's been interesting to adapt. Um, yeah, during COVID, I think so much has changed, and the way I I discuss environmental issues has changed too. I feel like um, as as we discussed pre the chat is it's just convenience. You know, it's always been something I've been aware of since a young age, but you know, I don't think enough people are aware of exactly how convenience is is um is really an environmental disaster and and convenience is is basically choosing short-term solutions that cause long-term problems and you know convenience is is choosing options that are uh, cheaper easier and more accessible and as an example as we were discussing i think it's it's uh face masks you know during this pandemic has been a real sign of how convenience is is harming the planet. You know, over 1.5 billion masks have have ended up sadly in our oceans um, since since you know the beginning of the pandemic. And you know, had the governments at the beginning gone, you know, okay, you know, we can get reusable face masks. I know heaps of companies that produce you know face masks that are non toxic, that are you know not made from microplastics. So I think it's back to convenience. You know, it might not be quite as cheap or as accessible but you know it's really focusing on the long-term problems because if we keep you know each year focusing on those um 
immediate problems that are right in front of us and the long-term problems are only going to keep building. So true. And, you know, as someone who's worked so hard to create progress on the issue of single-use plastics and throwaway culture, to just have observed how humanity has seemingly regressed so much since the start of the pandemic is um, it could definitely put a dent in in your motivation and, and your um, your mindset. But I suppose, yeah, we really need to, again, back to that glass half full and positive approach, just try and instill in humankind that we cannot live the way we currently are on this planet. The evidence is so profound and so clear. So how do we create that? fabric of a much larger segment of society and of corporate culture and of governments and um, authorities around the world to say, yeah, sure, we are going to have to be adaptable as a species. We're going to need to respond to these disruptive activities, particularly as the climate crisis unfolds, but we need to have a North Star, a benchmark that says we will not allow ourselves to make what appear to be errors right i mean creating so much more single-use plastics right at a time Mm. when we just had the clearest evidence that there's already far too much it seems so counterintuitive yet i suppose um you know it also helped out a bit right this is one thing i've really found interesting of late is that how can we have a conversation about a world without single-use plastics when we've just endured a 18 month pandemic where single-use plastic really did suddenly become very important from a from a health and sanitation perspective so it's Mm. a really tricky one but this is where i think from my perspective it has to be about innovation and always striving to do better because there could have been a resurgence in face masks that served a purpose just like the single-use ones of which you said 1.5 billion have ended up in the ocean but didn't have the negative consequences attached to them. So there's opportunities out there for innovators and entrepreneurs to say, you know what, I can solve that problem with a much lesser impact on the planet and Mm. people. Yeah, I completely agree. So here we are, we're going into, um, well, you know, this is being recorded on the 30th of June. So tomorrow is the start of Plastic Free July. So this is a really topical issue, isn't it? The whole single-use plastics and Australia has just had a bit of a resurgence of uh, the virus. And so places going into lockdown, I know that that's going to have an impact on people's journey throughout Plastic Free July. What are some of the simple tips that you've been able to adopt throughout your life that have enabled you to live with a little less waste and single-use plastic in your life? You mentioned some of them before, but maybe you've got some other tips for people. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the the main things I focus on is is um, you know takeaways, you know takeaway you know cups and and cutlery and you know it's you know there's so many statistics showing that that you know the amount that's ending up in the oceans is just it's it's really devastating. So I have I don't know <laughs> multiple uh, reusable drink bottles, my own cutlery I take. Um, that's made out of bamboo or timber. I have everything from chopsticks to to bowls to containers, and it can take up a little space. It's it's a fairly chunky bag, but you know I think if we 
if we again take away the convenience, it takes up a little more space and it's a little more timely to clean. But you know, I you know don't get any takeaway plastic anymore. That ended a long time ago for me. So again, it kind of feels like a, it's not much of a change. But if if we all started doing that, then suddenly those statistics would start to dry up, and that's one of the the single-use plastics that's for me. On the other hand, I think it's, um, you know, picking up rubbish as well. I think that's still very important, even though it might be uh, a more less focused on, uh, well, for take three, it's a main focus, but I feel like in the media it might be less focused on now, but I still feel like it's so important. You know, as we were mentioning at the beginning, you know, I have a mountain I like to hike up near where I live. and you know, it was so clean and peaceful. And then after the long weekend, um, you know, I was hiking up and I saw, you know, suddenly there was a Coke bottle there and, you know, KFC and McDonald's packaging. And there was everything from face masks up the top of a mountain to, to single-use plastics. And I was like, you know, why, why are people still littering? I mean, you know, there's so many better options. And, and so I still pick up rubbish on a daily basis and, you know, simply put, you know, that's basically one less animal that's that could quite possibly die from single use. So I still pick up rubbish as as I feel it's still a great option. Yeah, and I think in both cases there, whether it's responding to the problem by, you know, being the person to remove that item even though you didn't put it there, it can be a really uplifting and positive response to the issue um, but certainly the earlier one you mentioned there where you take it upon yourself to to travel with your reusables and I remember that first moment when I stepped off that ledge and was like okay I'm going to be one of the people that refuses single-use plastic and it becomes a bit of a game and it's fun and you navigate your way through this highly polluting um, consumer society with this marked decrease of your impact because you're simply bringing your own stuff and it feels great doesn't it mm, it does it sure and, does and sort of feeling that you as a um, as an advocate for that can then have this huge cascading impact on the sphere of influence around you particularly if you have some level of notoriety or you've got an audience that you speak to Exactly. And I feel like that's that's also something I like to discuss with young people is that even though it might seem overwhelming in the present moment, once you actually start contributing to, to a more sustainable future, start doing these little things, it can feel empowering. It can feel like you're actually making a change. And it's almost addictive. It's almost like, yeah, I want to keep making a change. I want to keep trying to become more sustainable. So I feel like that's a great option for, for all people, really. So maybe tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, your books and your websites and particularly what people listening to this podcast can share with other young people that they might have in their family or their community. What would you sort of say to people listening in um, who have young people, perhaps they're already highly engaged in environmental issues or maybe they're at the start of their journey. What would you encourage them to do and, and, and which of your creative assets would you steer them towards absolutely so i had a book released uh, late last year it's called spotlight it's my second book and that's for anyone watching on the youtube channel who can see the image um, and so basically in that i go through various chapters where i discuss what i've really 
found helpful. I go through different tips of how I've become more sustainable in my personal life. And I, you know, explore my own personal journey to, to more sustainability on a deeper note. And what's really changed for me, you know, I feel like everything's changed. And each day, I feel like I'm able to become more sustainable, which is something I'm very proud of. It's, it's going from a feeling of overwhelmment and, you know, not knowing what to do to start, you know, very small, picking up rubbish to, to you know, slowly um, making more progress in the right direction. So uh, my books are available on my website for anyone that's interested to learn more about my journey as a young person. And that's something, again, with Earth Enablers that I was really passionate to make a difference in. Now, I've, you know, at the beginning of my journey, I had no idea where to start. I didn't know what to do to make a difference. All I had was passion, really, and motivation to do something. And and starting off with with setting up a garden, growing my own produce, which is which has been great over the years to to picking up rubbish and I feel like it's starting small can really be more empowering than people might realise. And and so I really wanted to give back and, and make it easier for other young people who want to dive straight into making a big difference um, with Earth Enablers. And so for people, yeah, again, who want to learn more on my website, dollarfail.com.au, I have my books and my full story as to how I got to where I am today. Awesome. Well, there you go. You've been told people um, go and check out some of those resources, particularly if you've got some young people who either would benefit from some inspiration or are already fully inspired and just need a bit of extra kicker. Um, before we close out the chat today, um, if you're up for it, I'd, I'd love perhaps for you to perform another one of your, your poetry pieces if you've, if you've got one to hand. Mm, absolutely. I'll finish off with with one called Rise and this is the final poem in my book Spotlight and that's because Rise is is more of a positive outlook on on the whole thing and every time I sort of conclude different discussions on you know very serious and and pressing issues I always like to remind people that Whilst these are very realistic and devastating problems, there is still so much we can do. Every day there are new ways, you know, more people finding new strategies to make a difference. So I feel like staying positive is really important. And so this is Rise. Rise. Out of bed like you're training for the Olympics. Rise as if today is the best day that you will ever have. Rise, as if the fate of the entire universe depended on it. Rise, as if you can change the world by doing so, because you can. Love it. How simple, short and powerful is that? Well, it's been a real treat to have you on the podcast today, Solly. Um, just conscious um, if there's anything you wanted to talk about today or any of your other initiatives that you wanted to spruik while we've got you here, then over to you for some for some closing words. Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat and really just connect with, with other people who, you know, share the same sort of passions. I feel like it's having these conversations that can really make a difference and, and 
you know, I I feel very inspired every day that I've been able to um, inspire and motivate so many people, especially young people, to make a difference. But, you know, every day I wake up and think, you know, if I can just inspire one more person to take action and try and become more sustainable in their own personal life, then, you know, I've I've had a positive impact on society. And that's really what I I like to leave you know, when I when I do workshops or talk with young people in schools is that, you know, it's more just about trying to have a positive impact and a positive footprint on society. And if we all focused on that, I feel that the world would be a much more equal and sustainable place. Yeah, well, you are certainly achieving a lot and I look forward to following the remainder of your journey and uh, thank you so much again for joining us on the podcast today. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thank you.